Hi there, you're listening to the SIMP Investing Podcast, where we discuss everything finance or business related. SIMP stands for Simplified Integrity, Meaning Prudence. Find us on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at SIMP Investing. Before we begin, we'd like to put out a disclaimer. The information and content discussed does not constitute financial advice and serves for educational or entertainment purposes only. Hey everyone, welcome back to the pod. Today we have another very, very special guest. It's a very close friend of mine from my uh, junior college days. His name is Baven and he's the uh, COO of uh, Corven. So Baven, can you tell us uh, how do you get to where you are today, um, especially with the, the whole process of you joining the company? Right. Hi. Hi. Good morning. Good morning, Branson and, and John. Uh, thank you so much for inviting me here uh, to the pod. Uh, right. So, so I'm I'm Bevan. Um, I I am currently twenty five years old. I'm a Malaysian. Uh, I am the COO of Corvin. Uh, so I'm currently overseeing sales, uh, marketing, operations, and to give a bit of context, Corvin is a home appliances company. We deal with uh, home 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 cleaning appliances, home kitchen appliances. So your cordless vacuums, your cordless mops, and and so on, right? So, um, uh, we we own the brand. Uh, it's Corbin started out as a a shop front, uh, literally uh, like a shop front, right? So we we were actually doing we were actually playing three roles at the same time, that time, right? That was years back. Uh, so with that that shop front over there, we were dealers of other people's products. So we sold Dyson products, we sold Philips, uh, Panasonic, Electrolux, Fairview. So we were dealers in that. In that shop, uh, we had our own brand. Of course, Coven at the time was our own brand as well. Um, uh, we were also distributor of a US brand. Uh, it's called Nito, so it's a robotic vacuum brand. Um, so yeah, at that, that, that point, we were we were like a small shop lot, right? Uh, we, were, we were selling other people's products, having own products, and um, yeah. Uh, after that, uh, I'm just going to jump a bit here and there. Uh, yeah, so that, that's a bit of context on Corvin. Uh, of course, uh, today is very different. Uh, today is very, very different from how it started off uh, years ago, right? Um, that was actually accelerated by the lockdown, the, the pandemic. Uh, so that actually really changed our business model, but I'll get to that uh, more later. So yeah, uh, when I was younger, actually, Coven is a family-owned business. So uh, when I was younger, like eight, ten years old, I was actually a promoter. I joined joined my parents in exhibitions, in fairs. Uh, so so uh, you know, it's a cute little kid running around. So I think that really helped uh, talking <laughs> to strangers, right? Yeah. yeah, thank God I wasn't kidnapped, lah. And then after that, soon after, I went over to Singapore to study my O levels and A levels. That's when I met Branson. He was my classmate. Uh, and of course, after that, I uh, returned back to Malaysia to pursue my, my degree in, in business, continue to study business in, in Malaysia U. And then after that, I uh, continued to have different, uh, I had a taste on different aspects of business from there. Uh, yeah. And after that, my, my, my interest in business just continues to grow. And uh, right, after, uh, right after uni, um, I started my internship. My internship was a really, really interesting experience. Uh, I joined a company called N Square E-Commerce. So they're like an online distributor, right? They, uh, they're like the VKSH of the online world. So brands go to them. Uh, uh, usually it's huge. Uh, FMCG brands, they'll go to them and say, that, okay, you know what? We want to do e-commerce, but we don't have the capacity. We, we don't think that it's worthy at this point. So uh, we outsource to you. So we were, at, uh, we were an enabler, uh, enabler slash distributor. So we took care of uh, all the way from the commercial side of things. We were liaising with uh, e-commerce marketplaces, platforms. Uh, of course, Shopee and Lazada is still the biggest in Malaysia currently. Um, so yeah, um, we took care from a commercial side of things to operations and fulfillment all the way to customer support and customer service. Uh, and from there, I think, yeah, we learned a lot of things. Um, 
we got the opportunities to to meet with these brand people, uh, get the opportunity to meet with the, the marketplaces people as well, see how they, they do their campaigns, their their, their marketing plans, uh, pricing strategies. I think it's really important, all these kind of things. Um, and I think uh, very naturally applied onto Colvin in the later mm-hmm. years. Yeah, so right after my internship, um, uh, I joined Colvin. Uh, the time when I joined Colvin, I was about what, 22 years old. Uh, so at that point of time, there wasn't really much to, to work on. Uh, we were, again, a, a shop lot, right? Uh, there's not yeah. much of uh, branding, not much of uh, marketing to, 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 to begin with. We were busy with the day-to-day operations of the of the shop. Uh, so yeah, um, now now uh, I think from that I was 22, right? Now, now I'm 25. I got promoted to, to COO. Um, of course, uh, it wasn't easy as well. Uh, I had to, had to we, we had to go through the, the COVID period um, uh, in in year twenty twenty, so so fast forward to today, uh, COVID now is is we are competing against industry giants, you know, in the home appliances sector. Um, but um, we're very proud to be consistently month on month one of the top brands, one of the top home appliances brands on the the biggest platforms on Malaysia, uh, in Malaysia. So yeah. Okay, so circling back right to the start, uh, when you guys were uh, shop front. So you mentioned earlier that you guys actually um have distributorships with like Dyson's and uh, brands like Nito. How, mm. how do you like um, get the distributorships? Do they approach you guys or you guys approach like, and apply or then they go through some vetting process? And then... Right, right. That was, a, that was a very interesting process. That one was mainly handled at the time um, by, yeah. by my father. Uh, he, he, we were distributed. We only distributed one brand. Um, it was uh, Nito. And yeah. and a few other smaller brands, right? So Sunito was the is a US uh, robotic vacuum cleaner brand. Um, at that point, it was um, number one in terms of product, but people yeah. didn't really know Nito at the time. Usually, it's iRobot, right? Eight years, ten years ago, you're talking about iRobot. iRobot's most popular one. So at that time, uh, when iRobot came out, we actually came out with our own uh, robotic vacuum cleaner. It's called PikaBot. So we came out with our own version of a robotic vent cleaner, half the price of iRobot, and that one was actually quite popular. Was really popular. Um, and then after after a few years, uh, we realized that okay, you know what, we 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 saw Nito, which was completely a different ball game, a class of its own, right? So we there wasn't really a, too much of conflict of interest because we understood that there was a different market for our own our own branded robot vacuum cleaner and Nito as well. So yeah, I think um um. Uh, we, we, we reached out to, to Nito US. Uh, it wasn't an easy process. It, it took months, if not years. Uh, yeah, I think it took years actually until um, we, we, uh, we even met up with them in, in the States. And I think ultimately, uh, yeah, we lay out the plan. We told them about our competency in robot vacuum. I think the most important thing about robot vacuum at that time, it was the servicing, the technicians. It was yeah. not as easy as fixing a vacuum cleaner, right? You have, you have tons of sensors, even connected to the phone app and everything. So yeah, it was quite complicated at that time. Now. But it was a fun journey. So yeah. you guys have to handle all the servicing maintenance. You need the you need to set up the infrastructure, get the technicians, yeah. all that. So it's separate. Uh, they didn't they didn't help out uh, those guys. They just gave you the brand and the stuff. They 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 did give us some some guidelines and some blueprints uh, blueprints. But um, you know, Malaysians being Malaysians, it's very easy. Is it, is it, uh especially when you're short front, right? It's very easy yeah. to come back to us to say that hey, you know, I'm having issue with this. Can you teach me this? Yeah, I forgot this already. So. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think a lot of things we do have to handle by ourselves because in the states they don't really um they don't really focus a lot on, on servicing because their manpower, their labor is expensive. 
Whereas for us here, we will we will pay a lot more attention to that. So I think there's a lot of things that we had to learn ourselves. Some of the times we actually exchange information, exchange knowledge. Even ourselves, our engineers, our technicians would actually get on a call with USI and actually give them a bit of tips and, and give them some advices in return because we are doing the, the nitty-gritty of, of the work, right? Yep. Servicing and everything. So yeah. Yeah. Then uh, moving on to N squared. So the I'll touch, mm-hmm. I'll touch a bit on that. So I think it's a very good industry that you picked that up, right? Because it sets the foundation of what happens yeah. next. So looking back, it's like connecting the dots. But for N squared, right? Like just like you mentioned, like pricing strategy and stuff. So what exactly right, when you go in, right, you felt like, oh, this is something like straight. I'm gonna use this. I'm gonna use that. It's the, right. the internship, right? The, the time mm-hmm. duration is very long. So you need, to, you need mm-hmm. to make the most out of the situation. Yeah. So what? Exactly, like yeah. you pick it up and, and you apply it later on. Yeah, yeah, like you said, the internship wasn't long. It lasted about three months, three to four months. Um, when I went in there, uh, e-commerce was just like a sort of like a side thing because the main thing uh, at that time, Coven, we were still doing offline distribution, uh, retailers, our independent dealers. So it's very much offline, right? So e-commerce was just something that, you know what, uh, just add an additional skill. But when I joined in there, I, I, I just... Um, had the attitude of just sucking everything up like a sponge at that. Uh, when I'm at, uh, during my time there, of course, we were acting like a middle person, right, between the e-commerce platform, e-commerce marketplaces and, and the brands. So I think some of the key things that I learned, uh, I remember one interesting thing that I learned was um, how to actually, uh, 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 you know, the pricing, in terms of pricing strategy, I remember one of the pricing strategy was that they were talking about Hero SKUs, right? So at that point of time, I thought that Hero SKUs or your flagship product but turns out they were actually, you know, making a slight loss, making a slight loss just to just to attract traffic uh, 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 into the stores. So of course, this one in practice, in theory, of course, it's not unheard of. It's not, uh, it's not really something new. But to see it in practice and to see these MNCs, right? Because again, very different. Coven is a SME. Uh, seeing MNCs how they play the game is so interesting. It's so amazing. So uh, obviously. Uh, in, pra- in, in, in practice, we can't apply everything, but I think there are definitely certain things that I picked up that I was like, oh shit, this is how it actually is uh, in the real world, right? Uh, it's actually, you know, it's not that simple. At the same time, it's not too complicated as well. So yeah, I think from there, I got a lot more familiar in the e-commerce space and I for sure, uh, you know, uh, who, would have, who would have seen it coming, right? After that, soon after that, a few months later, the pandemic started and after that, the lockdown happened in Malaysia. Everybody was frozen in their own homes. So we had to rely on, on, on e-commerce at that point. So yeah, Sorry. fantastic. Exactly. What experience. is N-squared? Uh? N-squared, uh, N-squared, they are an e-commerce uh, enabler. They either call themselves an enabler or a distributor. So they are not only N Squared, there are other 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 companies doing doing the similar things like A-commerce. A-commerce would be a big one as well. Um they basically like for example, for example, uh, 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 some brand, right? A brand would approach them, for example, Philips or Panasonic will approach them saying that hey, I want to sell online. So N Squared would actually set up the store. They will set up the store, their customer support, everybody will be N Squared people. So it's like oh. N Squared, they are handling their online, they are fully managing their online stores basically, but using the brands, using the brand's name, their official store, their official status like that. Yeah. So they're not just merely a, not just merely a, a, a trader, like, not just one of the retailers that is, hey, uh, your official brand is selling, we're also selling that. They are actually acting as an official brand themselves, communicating to customers. So you would think you're talking to Nestle, but actually not you're talking to them. Why, why would yeah. Nestle go to them? Why would Nestle go to them? So Nestle, um, let's say, uh, 
uh, this is just an example, right? So, so let's say, let's say you have a lot of different brands under yourself. You have your ice cream, you have your, your coffee, you have your instant coffee, all these kind of different uh, uh, products, right? So maybe some of the products, they, they want to outsource to these e-commerce enablers because your warehousing, your fulfillment is another thing, right? They usually, maybe they want to focus more on, on retailing, uh, the offline channels, their trade marketing. So the, the, the e-commerce side of things, they will outsource to people like N-Square to handle them. So the stocks and everything using N Square warehouse fulfillment everything using N Square. Wait, so are they a fulfillment company or are they a marketing advertising company? Or they both? Yeah, both actually. They they cover everything. Okay. So if you are a brand, you want to go online, you want to do Shopee Lazada, but you, you don't have the skills, you don't have the connections. Uh, you, you know they have relationships managers in the 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 e-commerce marketplace themselves, right? So if you want to go into the Shopee Lazada, then you you'll find people like that. So they already have the established network. They already so, so they they, own they handle from A to Z. Yes, correct. They they either own oh, wow. the warehouse or they outsource to another warehousing company or another fulfillment company to do their their fulfillment. So all the way to, for from marketing all the way to shop front, your designs, your ads, your performance marketing, uh, fulfillment, customer support, customer service, chats. Yeah, chats lines, customer support la, mainly. Yeah, they're handling are, everything. Are they funded? Like how do they even afford warehouses? They are actually much larger in, in Thailand. They started out in Thailand, uh, mm-hmm. and then after that, they, they partnered with a, a local Malaysian firm to set up Ansquad Malaysia. So they are a Thai company. Uh, whether they are funded or not, that one I'm not very very sure. Um, but yeah, so far I know they are a lot larger in, in Thailand. Uh, and Thailand e-commerce is is huge as well. Okay, how how do they even mm-hmm. convince uh Johnson and Johnson or Nestle to to do for them? Because like from Nestle's mm-hmm. side, they also have in-house teams. They also have fulfillment. Yeah. So like. Why why would they go with an e-commerce or n square? Yeah, actually, actually, yeah, that was the question I was asking myself as well, right? Right, like why would such big brands actually ask these kind of enablers to 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 help them do out the e-commerce? It's not like e-commerce is a offline kind of game as well, right? But I think yeah. it has a lot to do with the expertise as well because being in uh like I've been to certain uh HQs in Malaysia of these so-called big brands, right? And I noticed that if this is your e-commerce department, they had like three four people. Maybe about three people, right? Uh, and and you're talking about millions of GMV per month, right? And they only had three, four people. So, uh, I think when we started talking to them and everything, I realized that hey, they actually don't really put the focus and emphasis into e-commerce. That was the thing because they were still fully focused on offline, and 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 they have to take care of the off- offline dealers as well because online, if you are too if you are too active, you're running campaigns, you're always cutting prices, you will definitely upset the offline dealers as well. So at that point, I, I believe the focus was more towards uh, offline. Uh, I do at least spoke to a few of them as well. They still mentioned to us that, you know, e-commerce is just something good to have, right? It's just presence and the competitors on, are on there. So why not also also be on there? Uh, I think it was more like a marketing kind of move like, at that time because the traffic was amazing through the, the e-commerce uh, shopping Lazada. Uh, so yeah, uh, I think I think they didn't really want to focus into that. That's why in terms of expertise-wise, they rather still outsource to someone else because if they were to hire a performance marketer, maybe they wouldn't even know how to, how to manage them. Yeah. Um, I have a question about their their revenue structure. Like, so do they do they once they let every, the whole infrastructure operations, the marketing, all pass down to like a company like uh, N squared, right? Then, uh, how do they earn money? So do they take like a royalty cut from everything sold, or from from 
right from from what i heard usually these e-commerce uh, enablers they do um take uh, uh what do you call it is 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 it's not like a, some of them they do consignment models some of them they do outright so they will just yep. purchase a bunch of stocks at a uh, a distributor price right then they just oh, then they just I sort see. of sell it so of course they have their own price floors and price ceilings as well price floors like usually they have their own price floors as well so so that they do not upset the offline dealers like the other retailers like that's how they control the price yeah so they make so, a margin from there usually oh okay got it mm. so once you picked up all the skills and some experience at a professional firm at, as an internship then when you went what made you want to go back to your uh coven and also uh when you first joined right what mm. gaps do you see like opportunities do you see in the business because as you mentioned earlier it was still very offline driven then you just oh, yeah. came from an e-commerce space so what what were the gaps and opportunities that you saw Right. So so right after my internship um I had to to go back to Coven uh at that time again uh, operating a shop front uh I think um and actually at that time I wanted the if I could I would have actually explored into other other different industries right or other areas like even BC I don't know much about it but I think it was quite interesting uh, analyzing different businesses I would have ventured into that but I think at that point um uh it, it was uh uh i think it was very quite quite lacking in 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 manpower so i had to go back and, and help out and when when i first when when i first stepped in uh i remember that time uh we didn't really talk much about marketing uh, completely nothing about digital marketing in in those years right uh, i think those at at that point of time i think the biggest the largest gap was that we were acting as three different roles Yeah, just now I mentioned the the we are we are brand owners, so we have our own products under the Coven brand. We are distributors, so we had to take care of other dealers as well, and we are a dealer ourselves. So, uh, I I think we was we we are stretched too far already by having three different roles. Uh, and and three different roles usually one company you're handling one role and it's already busy enough. And we we were we were you know we were we were handling three different roles. So I think that the, the focus was on that. Obviously, resources were stretched so thin that um we didn't really progress. on those three different uh fronts. Uh so yeah, um of course talking about our own Coven, our own Coven brand because of that, our brand awareness was very very lacking. It was very lacking. Who knew about Coven or who came across Coven are people who actually passed by the physical shop. Uh of course that time we did do marketing, so we 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 engaged uh, conventional media such as uh, newspapers, magazines, PR companies, so we did do our awareness. But at that point of time, the targeting was just all over the place. It's nothing like the world that it is now, right? You have uh, Facebook CPAS ads. Uh, you're able to target specific interests, demographics, psychographics. Uh, but you know, in the olden days, that's all we had, and and uh, uh, yeah, we had no funding. We we didn't go for any funding, nothing. So yeah, I think ultimately it's it's just the the, the lack of focus. Um, the, uh, and uh, operationally, uh, I think we're quite lacking as well. We were just stuck. Uh, it has reached a bottleneck really. So you had three different yeah. roles: the brand owner, the distributor, and also particular yourself. So, yeah. do you guys cut like uh, any of this, and then what made you decide, and how do you decide what to mm. cut? Yeah, so so actually quite early on, um, while we were operating in in the shop front, uh, we really identified that okay, you know what, we had to focus on on one on one role. And I remember that time we we all agreed that our own brand was the most sustainable route. It will not be an easy route because uh, obviously we do not have the the muscles that are backing us up. You know, uh, as opposed to selling a Dyson product, right? They have already done the branding and marketing work for us already. Obviously, uh, having our own product, uh, we had to do a lot more work. But ultimately, I think it is a more sustainable uh, 
uh, model. And also, we had a lot more control by having our own brand in terms of the products, in terms of the service, in terms of the experience, everything else. Uh, of course, uh, margin as well. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, basically, ultimately, we knew that, okay, Coven, our own brand name was, was the way to go already. It's just that, uh, you know, we, we cannot just suddenly switch, right? Uh, we had to make sure that we make the transition uh, slowly and we constantly reviewed it and make sure that it's a safe step before we move forward. Because again, SMEs like ourselves, we do not have um, no, no funding, no backing that, you know, if you fall down, you know, you pretty much screwed already. Lah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so are you still carrying other brands like from Dyson and stuff? Even today? Uh, no, right today. now, right now we are fully focusing our own brand. Right now, yeah. we're fully, fully focusing on our own brand. Uh, we no, lo- no, no longer sell other brands uh, uh, anymore, actually. Yeah, actually, a funny story, actually. Uh, just now you mentioned our own brand, right? I remember this uh, this one specific brand. Uh, they were selling cordless vacuums as well, but the suction oh, yeah. was just terrible. And I had to demo in front of the customers, showing them that, hey, look, the suction was really good, man. Like, look at this. <laughs> but then... <laughs> But then, obviously, the customer wasn't as satisfied. It wasn't that it's a terrible product, but it's just not up to par, right? Not, not up to expectation. Yeah. So, so obviously, the customer was not, uh, was, was not satisfied. They had a lot of comments as well because we were facing customers and, and we rely a lot on feedback as well. So, they had a lot of comments and we realized that, shoot, if you were to tell the principal, if you were to tell the HQ, what actions would they have taken, uh, you know, from uh, coming from a, a feedback from a small shop, right, uh, in Malaysia at the time. Uh, so, yeah, we realized that in terms of control-wise, we had very, very limited control. Hence, uh, the common brand, uh, focusing on our common brand would be uh, the, the better way to go. Yep. So, uh, so, moving on, we'll touch on products later, but now mm. understand more about your marketing approach. So, you guys use, uh, you guys, you, you, you decided to come up with a focus of digital marketing, right? Yeah. So, uh, besides digital marketing, were there any ways that you digitalized the business? Oh, there were many. Uh, that time, right? So, so COVID pretty much uh sort of forced us to to digitalize to to digitalize and, and to pivot yeah. towards uh, digital marketing and and uh, digital platforms, right? The e-commerce uh, uh marketplaces. Um, so, uh, at that time, I remember it was, uh, uh, COVID started in 2019. It was March 2020 that the lockdown was announced in, in Malaysia. So, the, the COVID, COVID, uh, when it started, nobody actually felt anything. But when the lockdown came, everything was just frozen, right? We were asked to pack up and go. At that time, we were running three different events at, at three different locations, some of the roadshows, uh, roadshows, exhibitions, and fest. So, we had to pack up and leave within one to two days. That is absolutely insane. The whole nation actually underwent lockdown. Everybody was stuck in their own home. So at that time we were a bit in limbo, right? What are we gonna do? <laughs> what are we gonna do? Our retailers are all all, all closed. Uh, everything was shut down. Uh, we we weren't even service. We weren't even able to service our customers. The service center was wasn't even allowed to operate at that time. So obviously that was that was a bit um a bit of a limbo. But very quickly, I think less than a month, we quickly pivoted towards e-commerce because e-commerce at that time we it wasn't really something completely new to us, especially with the experience that I've gained. It wasn't completely new to us. We have already set up our e-commerce stores on the marketplaces in the marketplaces as an official brand. You know, you have your independent sellers official brand, so we are registered Corbin as official brand there already. So thankfully, there is this uh, sales channel that we were able to tap tap into. So uh, at that point, we, we focus a lot on digital. Our customer support, they actually converted to, to chat team. So in terms of, uh, uh, you know, last time it used to be face-to-face, right? Now we're chatting with our customers, troubleshooting with them, diagnosing with them, or even answering their questions in terms of sales as well. So that is one way. And of course, uh, uh, marketing, right? 
that I think marketing was one of the biggest ways that we, one of the biggest aspects that we have pivoted. You know, last time it used to be newspapers, magazines, PRs. Now is a lot on social media, a lot on digital um, performance marketing, uh, the the publications, the product review sites. You know, those those uh, hardcore product review sites and ads. We run ads, so the reach of extent has largely expanded thanks to to digital to, to digital marketing. Um, but of course that one we have to constantly review lah. But that one, yeah, really converted. Of course, in terms of operations as well. Operations we 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 worked with uh uh we worked with um different partners to to ensure they can fulfill our fulfill up to our volume. Uh, in terms of order fulfillment, they are delivering things on time and well. Uh, so previously it was very manual. Like it wasn't like this, right? And of course, inventory management. Uh, it has become real time already. We are able to track our our in and in and out uh, real time, and it's, it's very accurate. So last time we used to do stock counting, and now we we are now we do it uh, occasionally as well. But now it's very quick, right? Once you log onto the database, log onto the platform, you're able to see what is the the real time inventory. So that is just amazing. Yeah. Wait. So uh, I want to know more about the. Inventory real time tracking. So you guys just uh, mm. use onboard the software, is it? Uh, and I, then, uh... yeah, that one we work with our warehousing partner. So the warehousing partner, yeah. they themselves, they have like a, a sort of like a, like a platform like that, like a simple platform. You go up there, you're able to see the ins and outs. You're able to, oh, to track the inventory, last in, last out, this kind of stuff, this kind of stuff. Yeah. But it's proprietary to them, lah. So as long as you, if you use their warehouses, uh, then yes, they're like, you have to pay extra for that or no? Just uh, is is in the package. But yes, correct. It's oh, their, see, it's their, it's their platform, and of course, ourselves. Actually, good question. Ourselves, we actually, uh, we started using like um the integrated POS system. So yep. within our own uh physical store, right? We able to use that as well. This is after the MCO period, and uh, yeah, I think in terms of a service as well. Uh, in terms of service, because last time we used to have those kind of service reports, right? You, you come in, you tell me what's your issues. Uh, this is my technician's diagnostic. These are the parts being replaced. Yeah. But now we are using an online uh, system already. Uh, so everything is tracked online. It's a lot quicker. Efficiency has shot up. And it's all cleaner. Like, everything's a lot cleaner. And of course, customers, they are, they are more satisfied as well. Because last time, we took, we took longer right, to service the yeah. product. But now, it's a lot quicker. And of course, being a local company, local brand, we always keep our parts um, with us. Uh, so, you don't have to wait for parts and everything like that. It's a lot quicker now because you... Firstly, there's a better information flow. You mm -hmm. store your parts. And then, uh, is there anything else? Like, you're, you're, you put a team in place, is it? Like, dedicated yeah. teams. Yeah, correct. So, so we... we um, we increase manpower on the customer support side, uh, yeah. the technician side. Uh, um, yeah, so now everything is moving a lot faster. We are able to analyze a lot of things. I think the one of the biggest lessons that we learned from from COVID, uh, from the lockdown, was that we there is a there is a constant need to review our processes, to constantly need to review yeah. our 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 performance as well, right? In terms of sales, in terms of customer satisfaction, in terms of product, in terms of the, the faulty rate. You know what are the common complaints and everything. So yeah. Speaking of the COVID lockdown, so so your your, because I know at the, during that period of time when I was still doing my that that computer business, mm. uh, it's a very very pain in the ass to get stocks, and it takes very long to ship things oh, here and around. So how how do you guys deal with that? Like, I'm sure oh, you guys felt it also, right? Yo, that was a nightmare actually. I <laughs> that was like a suppressed memory. <laughs> totally forgot about that already. Yeah, the, suppressed the, the, memory. The, 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 it, it, it was terrible, right? Because it, the whole supply chain, 
issues yep. started to have issues started to come up, right? Uh, 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 we port congestion, uh, not enough containers to to even transport the goods. These kind of issues, right, has almost uh, they don't usually arise on in a part in so many years in, in so many years of business, right? It, it rarely happens. But this time around during COVID, obviously everyone was affected. Everyone was affected, so the whole supply chain was actually disrupted. Uh, issues that previously never came up actually came up this time round, and it just piled on right all at once. It's not like okay, this month is this issue, next month is another issue. Sometimes it's this month's three issues suddenly come. Two of them is okay, sort of expected. The other one is not unexpected one. So obviously, supply side was terrible. Uh, uh, we even have customers pre-ordering an item, waiting for two weeks, and upon that two weeks, you had to wait for another two more months. You know. So in total, you had to wait almost three months just to get a scrubber, a cordless scrubber for your bathroom. So <laughs> that time it was insane just to maintain, just to manage the pre-orders and to 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 sort of uh, uh try to uh push out the the supply side lah, right? Because uh, a lot of issues, I had a lot of issues for supply side, and it happened and 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 persisted for months. I think it persisted for one one plus year already. Even even until today, right? Things are not fully settled. Also. <laughs> so so. It's a scary experience, uh, but uh, I am glad we we am very blessed and very very lucky to to get out of it alive. Covid uh, period. Bevan, can I ask? Yeah. So your your dad started a business which year? We started in we we started in uh, actually we focused a lot in home appliances in year twenty fourteen. So for that was eight years ago already. That time I think we started uh, with the robot vacuum that I mentioned just now to to yeah. to. Uh, fight with sort of fight with iRobot, right? And then from there, we were going very, very, very slowly. Then after that, we, uh, we were focusing more on distribution and as a dealer. And after that, recent years, then we start to pick up a lot quicker in terms of our own products because we start to know what the customers want. You know, even with e-commerce, we're able to see as well. So the okay, you said twenty fourteen, you moved to home appliances, right? So what were you doing mm. before? Or what was he doing before? Sorry. Right. So before that, before that, uh, we were dealing with um. It was this this like a like a bulb. Imagine like a light bulb, right? It is an energy saving LED light bulb. LED light bulb. No, energy saving light bulb. Uh, but it is uh, it is we call it an air purifying lamp. So he actually coated it in a in a, a chemical solution, and basically you can just fit it into any residential or commercial uh, uh, uh buildings, right? And you just run it as a normal lamp. So that time it was a bit more techy, a bit more you know chemistry kind of thing. It's not so mainstream. So obviously that time to convince consumers that you know hey, this is good because they can't see it. it's not like vacuum cleaner man. you, you vacuum yeah. the dirt and you can see hey, it really can suck up but you can't really see it <laughs> from, from a, from a <laughs> light right? it's like double and it's like double triple the price of a normal light bulb so yeah it's tough right? <laughs> okay so you, like he was doing this for how long like before 2014 he was doing it for years it was a bit the, the history is a bit blurry really but he was doing it for a few years uh I think he tried out other he tried out other other products as well, but I think ultimately it was just um not sustainable lah. Okay. Yeah. And you said storefront, right? So that means mm. that you're selling from a pure one physical outlet situation, yes. right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, that what, was what our own the, products. Yeah. Understood. Well, what does the distributor mean? So when you become a distributor, mm. you sell. Is right. you're basically doing affiliate marketing on steroids, lah, Right. You are like oh. you. you Mind, right, because you you take other people's products and you sell it in your Malaysian market. Is that correct? Yes, correct, correct. But nothing to do with online. It's okay. all offline. Uh, so for example, in East Malaysia, uh, East Malaysia, we have a few dealers that are because that time we're distributing the the US brand, the Nito, 
uh, the robot vacuum, a lot more expensive one. So that one, uh, we had independent dealers. We had, uh, I think we were selling across uh, some, some retailers as well, some chain retailers as well. So they actually, we had to give them the demo unit. We had to train them uh, how to sell, how to explain to customers. So they will okay. sell it. Uh, they will sell it now for us. Uh, okay. So they, are, they were our dealers. So when you buy from Nito, right, do they give you like a wholesale price? Like how do they even like uh, agreement contractually on that part? Yeah. Yeah, so so they, they gave us a sole distributorship back in twenty sixteen, I think. Uh, then from there, um, of course, uh, they gave uh, we, we 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 got the goods at a at a distributor price, and then we sell it we we on consignment we we sell it off to the dealers, and then they were to sell it off at a at a, at a retail price, and that was okay. how it's like a simple kind of uh, distribution model, a very straightforward kind of model at the time. Okay. And so like the, the Nito side, right? How do, how does your dad even think about, okay, I need to sell Nito. Or like he sees it online right. and then he goes and contacts them. Like who, yeah. Yeah, because he, he is actually an engineer at heart. Uh, yeah. At heart. Yeah, he studied engineering, like basically his background was engineering. And, and uh, he was just, he was just, um, uh, he was just deeply focused on, okay, getting the best products out there, right? I don't care about whether is it uh, that popular or not. You know, or yeah. or or yeah. not, but he really identified that okay, Nito was really the top of the top. Even you look at the CNET, Forbes, I think some other, yeah, Forbes, CNET, they actually rank Nito consistently as number one, uh, in terms of the product. Right? So he knew that okay, the product has a very distinct advantage over the other robot vacuums because at that time Nito was the only robot with laser mapping system, so you can actually map out your house as opposed to other robot vacuum. They just sort of like bangs around randomly, you know, not oh, yeah, that team. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, at that time, it was a bit of a, sort of a bad rap like, for robot vacuums. Uh, now I'm not so sure, like, but last time it was quite a bad rap like, because the tech last time was, was quite quite bad, right? So Nito was the only one that was actually a class on his own. So um, my dad said, okay, let's contact them, uh, get the products distributed out. Uh, and yeah, that, that was how it started. Okay. So mm -hmm. then, uh, like, because like you said, you buy a distributor price, the margin is going to be very thin, right? To even survive and pay rent. Uh, like who, who is your father selling to? Is it selling to enterprise? Is it selling to consumers? Like, yeah. Uh, consumers, consumers. So, so uh, our shop front, um, usually we serve walk-in customers. We, we attend exhibitions. Uh, the, the largest exhibition in Malaysia, it's called Home Deck. So it happens every once, a, last time, it happens once a year, twice a year like that. So we would participate in those fairs and of course, a lot of other fairs as well. Uh, you got your, you know, the Citibank, Maybank kind of fairs. People go there, the cardholders go there to redeem their points kind of thing. Yeah. So we were participating in all the, all the big fairs and uh, of course, uh, no point going for the smaller fairs, right? Because it is a premium yeah. product after all. So yeah, that was our very, that was our sales channel at that time. We didn't really focus on online at all. We didn't sell through online at all. Okay. And at that point, you know, four or five thousand ringgit, which was about thousand thousand plus sing, uh, you sell online, right? Robot vacuum is tough. It's, it's, it's yeah. super tough to sell out at that time. Shopee Lazada wasn't even that uh, popular yet. Okay, so like physical products, you go into consumer electronics for uh, Coven, like that's mm -hmm. very difficult. <laughs> like where where are you buying the stock from, and like um, how do you even configure your own vacuum or like your own robot? You get what I mean? Like yeah. Yeah. So now, well, basically, our own Coven products is like this, right? It is something like uh, I wouldn't really call it private label because private label, what you do is you 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 source for a product, you get the sample in, you say that okay, you know what, this is good. Okay, I just slap my brand name on 
right? And then you just yeah. push it out into the market. But for us, it, it goes through a very different process. So you see a lot of those uh, sellers similar to ourselves, a local brand as well, that are selling on Shopee and Lazada, uh, selling on these uh, platforms, right? Other e-commerce players, they are having hundreds, uh, t- tens or if not hundreds, Plus products in their own store, right? whereas mm-hmm. uh, we, we have uh, a lot less, right? So for us, is that the, the process as a whole, just to give an example, just to give some context, is that uh, our vacuum, the latest time that we just launched, uh, that vacuum took two years. It took two years from sourcing all the way to breaking it down, to making sure, to, to understanding every part of it uh, and to improve every part of it, the, the usability of it, uh, you know, the weight and everything. So it goes through a very, very different process as opposed to our competitors. Uh, us being a very product-focused company, obviously, we're going to put a lot of effort on the product, but uh, we're very, very lacking in branding at that time. So awareness was, was, just, uh, was just bad all around. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, uh, that, that was how we, we push our own products. And after that, we even improve it, uh, especially the first few batches. We listen to customers' feedback and then we just constantly improve the product. And yeah. this is something that, other brands they, they do not do lah. Once they see okay, good product, they put a brand name on, just sell on it. So it's, it goes through a very different process. So you said the two years you break down the product. Who is breaking down this product? Is it your dad? It is our right? our own. Yeah, our own product team. So we have a product team to 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 handle that. Uh, um, they are engineers themselves. Uh, so they constantly talk to the supplier. They 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 discuss with them all the way right down to. You know, like from there, I just, it blew my mind. Right? Because last time to me, vacuum is just a vacuum or, or a mop is just a mop product, is just a product. But they really, really go into the nitty gritty of things. And not only do you have to look at the, the techie side of things, but you need to understand our target market as well. Because our target market at that time, and even now, is 80% women, more than 80% are women. So they, do they really care, okay, how many RPMs is it spinning at? You know, how many, you know, this, uh, you know all these kind of things, right? Uh, but do they, they care about the benefits that it brings, right? Yes, it is easy to push, you know, it's light. At the same time, it's strong. Uh, the battery life is long enough. You know, these kind of things, right? You want to strike the balance between all of them is super duper tough. It's super duper tough. So um, that's why we spend really a lot, a lot of time just to make sure that we, we, we sort of get the all-rounder off uh, uh, as compared to its... its um, the products of the same similar category we try to get we try to be like the all-rounder of the product to say that okay you know what this is the product that, that we want uh, uh absolutely amazing product at, at affordable price as well who, who yeah. is in your product team like what what is the makeup of that person is it an electrical engineer like like who, who is who can be in the product team yeah so so that one we, uh, usually usually uh M and e, usually it's mechanical and electrical so we okay. do need to have uh, uh, both, the, the person have to have both expertise or, or, or not, or, or not. The team has to have both expertise, right, in, in terms of electrical and mechanical of, of things. I didn't really dive too deep into the product side of things. Uh, not really my not really my interest, but I know that that part was uh, well taken care of. Um, so yeah, just, just um, at that time, the robot the robot one was really crazy though. The robot one was a lot, a lot tougher. Now we are selling like colors vacuums, colors mops, more, 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 more mainstream products. It really uh, requires a lot less uh, from, from a lot less expertise. Lah. But, you know, just, just fundamentals or, or just good enough would be good enough. But robot vacuum is really a different ballgame. So now it's, um, yeah, now it's, it's usually like you said, like that, it's, it's uh, electrical and mechanical engineering, mainly these two. Okay, so what do they do? Do they like, they just break down the product, then they like, okay, let's improve one, two, three, and then tell the supplier, can you build one, two, three? Like, what, what do they do every day? <laughs> like, right, so after the, so they would, 
Mm, so they will test, they will test and test and test, and they will communicate with the supplier. Of course, we we are not at that stage where, but okay, you know what? Uh, we want to build a completely new mode. You know, we want to comp- build a completely new. We want to change the the turbine and everything, uh, the housing and everything. No, we just uh we just improve based on whatever that the they have right now. So um, let me think of an example. Maybe maybe they will change the they will adjust maybe the wattage of the battery, for example. Yeah. Uh. Again, engineering is not my, my my strong suit, but just an example, they will adjust the battery uh, voltage to make sure that they get uh, uh, the 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 what is it called the maximum runtime at the same time. Where when customers need high power, they get that sort of suction, for example, or they say that hey, you know what, um, uh, uh, certain certain screws, for example, we have certain products that have to go underwater. It's a waterproof power scrubber, for example. So certain seals that you know what, this is not the right one. Go and go and go and source for a better one, or change the millimeters or whatever. So they will work based on that. Then they will try to dip it again. Uh, they will try to use it under uh, you know consumers' uh, environment. Use it in an actual bathroom situation, right? You spray water on the the product itself. Uh, so it has to be not only water resistant but waterproof as well. Dip it in the pool, for example, this kind of thing. Uh, so we will localize it a lot to our market as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, when when you actually go from a you sell other people's product to sell your own product. Like private label is it's not very expensive because the parts are already there. But if you're doing something custom, like you do have the MOQ to support that that cash flow, right? Because you need to put up. So like your first batch of orders, right? I guess how many did you order? And was that a private label first? And then you slowly transitioned to your own technology or like how that, yeah, how did that start? Yeah, yeah that, that's, a, that's an amazing question. That, that's a really good question because, uh, yeah, like, like you say, right? To, to actually start off and to actually start to sell a new product, you have to go through all of these questions. So not only on the product side, the 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 the, the market receptance, our target market, and like you said, MOQ, you know, cash flow wise, uh, whether it's the right product. So for us, usually what we do is um, uh, we will we will straight up just uh, make sure that it is the right product to launch into the market. That's why we took quite a lot of time, long process. So it's not that whole process doesn't does not only consist of uh, the engineering, the product side of things, but the all aspects. So when we launch the product out, we we like you said, we do have to keep to a certain MOQ. Uh, so we will fully commit to the product. We will set up a launch and everything and. Hopefully it runs well in the market. Like if it does not, then it, usually that doesn't happen. But but for us, we make sure we don't we do our studies, um, we do our due diligence to make sure that okay, this is the right product. We're confident in it. Uh, then we we'll get to MOQ, and then usually MOQ, uh, they will require no less than a thousand units usually. So that would be um forty foot container. A forty foot yeah. container, uh, usually yeah, more more than a thousand products, uh, depending on the size of the product as well. But that is the quantity that you're looking at. So after okay. the first batch, uh, then we will continue to improve the first, the second batch, the batch, and yep. so on. So if if I if I say for example the the unit itself takes a hundred USD to produce a thousand units, so you're basically putting up a hundred k in cash flow, right? For like for your first mm-hmm. order, am I guessing somewhere around? Yeah, there? yeah. Okay, correct. Okay, correct. Um, okay. So how do you get customers? <laughs> I know that Shopee last time. Um, right. So how how did you? Because I know uh, it's a snowball, right? At the start, it's damn slow, but then after mm. you get the reviews, actually, it's quite passive income. Uh, yeah. how, how was the first? Yeah. Yo, last time. Um. Okay. So I I think a good uh, a good um period to start was uh when when the lockdown happened, right? When the lockdown happened, we had to fully pivot towards uh shopping and, and uh to, towards the 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 e-commerce uh, marketplaces, right? Like you said at the beginning, 
uh, nobody is buying. So when nobody buys, nobody sees you. When nobody see, uh, so when nobody buys, there's no reviews. When there's no reviews, lucky nobody buy. Yeah. Uh, continuing, nobody buy. Nobody buy, yeah. then nobody actually sees you. So the, the the share of voice is just very 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 small among those platforms because you got hundred brands out there. You know, you're not competing with yeah. the big boys only. You're not only competing with the big boys, but you're also competing with the retailers. You're sharing the, the attention with the retailers that are selling the big boy products. So they are the dealers that basically list out the products themselves as well. And you also, you're dealing with other local brands. You're dealing with uh, international brands, you know, the overseas sellers that they're trying to sell into Malaysia. So you're dealing with a lot of that. So of course, at the beginning, it was a, a true struggle because... Uh, it doesn't make sense to pump ads as well. If you run ads, you people go there, you see no reviews, nothing, no testimonials. It's yeah. still, the conversion rate will be, will be terrible as well. So at that point, at that time, I remember what we did was we actually, uh, usually we just dip our foot into digital marketing, right? Try out an influencer a bit here and there. But that time during MCO, we really tried, uh, we tried a mini campaign just to try things out. Again, cash flow was very, very tight. Uh, any wrong move would be very bad for us. So we tried it out. Okay, we engaged a few influencers. We talked to a few product review because we were confident in our products. That's one yeah. thing. So that the, fundam- the fundamentals, uh, the foundation was already set in terms of the products. So we let uh, the product review sites try it out. Uh, we let the, the influencers try it out, the mom influencers to, to try it out. Uh, some, you know, mommy pages or interior designing pages, you know, home kind of related kind of uh, pages, right? Uh, platforms, right? And from there, we got, we got good attention because our product, uh, I, I guess people just like the color at that time, a white color a vacuum. Right. Usually it's quite, uh, you know, yeah, white color. The right? color Usually people like the product. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and of course the product itself, it does, uh, it does look like Dyson as well. So obviously that, uh-huh. <laughs> that okay, is a okay. huge plus point as well, right? And, and, and it is, uh, it's a fraction of the price. It's a quarter of the price. Um, so, so yeah, people do see that and they see that hey, a lot of people recommending it. And so digital marketing really helped us to gain uh, traction from there. And from there on, you know, uh, our, our, our customers, they're very generous in terms of giving their feedback. They give us reviews. So we don't actually ask them to give us reviews. They give us reviews by themselves. They're, they're shouting out for us, even through social media. So because we have started to become a social brand, already, sort of a social brand now, in the sense that we are active in social medias. We, we get influencers shout about us. So we do see a bit of difference in terms of our customers. So for example, when you buy a cordless vacuum, just buy a cordless vacuum, that's all. Nothing, nothing to talk about it, right? But you see with our customers, after they purchase the vacuum, they'll start, they'll see in their Instagram story or Facebook, whatever it is, saying that oh, I bought a Corbin, can't wait to receive it. And then when they get it, they actually, un, you know, show an unboxing and they try it out and they give a little review by themselves. So it's very, very cute, right? So mm-hmm. from there, it continues via this kind of uh, digital word of mouth, maybe. And then from then on, uh, it's really picked up from there. Lah. Then we continue to be very, very close with the, the, the platforms themselves as well. We run campaigns with them consistently. Um, of course, we ourselves, we have to work on the, 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 the full funnel, right? Because the platforms themselves, they are just bottom funnel only. These are where people actually check out the last stage of, of, the, of, the, of the purchase process already. So yeah, uh, we continue to explore more on digital marketing, get on publications and uh, yeah, just putting ourselves out there basically. Okay, but your first yeah. few customers are, you say mommy influencers and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. mommy influencers and stuff, they are on Google, they are on YouTube, they are on blogs, right? They are not on the platforms itself. So are you saying yes. that you send them product, they give a product review, maybe paid sure. or not, it doesn't matter, but after they give review, then then they they see on Lazada, Shopee, then they go and check Google, then they start buying and then you got reviews. Is that the case? Correct, correct. So so usually what we do is, yes, like you said, uh, that uh, usually we do um, evergreen. So 
you know, business as usual, BAU kind of postings. But there are certain times where, hey, uh, it's close to 99 already, for example. So they'll say, guys, uh, I've been using this vacuum for, for six months already. You know what? 99 is coming up. Go and get one yourself. Amazing deal. Yeah. That's how we sort of uh, do a bit of con- conversion from there. Now. Okay. Uh, again, okay. we want to track, we try to try to track these people, right? Because we're always talking about the returns. We're always talking about the roles, uh, returns on ad spend in terms of whatever that we do, right? So, uh, obviously, influencers are tough. Like, you, you cannot track right, unless you put a coupon code there. But even for Malaysians, uh, we are a bit lazy to, to use promo code sometimes. So, again, it's, it's difficult to track. Uh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, what we do is we actually talk to our customers as well. Some of the customers, they themselves say that, hey, I actually saw it on who, who, who's uh, platform. Who, who, yeah. who recommended it? I use it and I really love it as well. And that's how we know that, hey, it works. Oh. <laughs> so, we continue a bit, bit, bit from there. Uh. Okay. Got it. I, I see a lot like... uh. They call it what, Mirror C, Kit, NSD, Best Buy, Get, stuff like that, right? Are you right, actively right. reaching out to these people? Or are they seeing the other reviews and then they're like, hey, uh, hey Bevan, can you send me some? <laughs> can you give me yeah. free? Like, yeah, what is the transaction there? Yeah, actually, it, it, it is a mixture. Some of them, um, like the, some of, yeah, actually, it is a mixture because some of them, uh, we, we do reach out to them. Some of them, they yeah. see that, hey, uh, who, who, who is, is uh, we saw that you did a review on Hoohoo's platform, they're reaching out to you and we noticed that, hey, Shopee, you also like top five, you know, and your mm. vacuum is doing very well recently. So, I, I think um, they, they want to, of course, they as a, as a media owner, they have to make sure that whatever they publish, they don't get any backlash, right? Hey, you recommend this product, it sucks, right? So they see yeah. our reviews, they look at our product ratings and everything, they see what people are saying, that's where the confidence comes and then they will come and approach us as well. So it's a mixture, really it's a mixture. Okay, got it. Like, uh, I know you guys are running a sale, right? Like right now. <laughs> it's like 3 mm. stuff like that, right? That's like barely uh, 115 sing, I think. And that's actually yeah. like really, really cheap. Okay. And like, cause uh, my family has yeah. a Dyson. <laughs> so like they bought it for 600. So mm-hmm. in my mind, it's like, like, is your supplier just like really good? I don't, I don't know. Like is it the cock so like, right. really damn low? Or like, how are mm. you guys doing like, this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll be skeptical. Like, like, like how is it a quarter of the price or one sixth of the price? But then yes. you are, you are it's, it's so like popular, right? But is it actually good? What am I compromising? Right? Usually that was, that's a question on the mind. Why am I compromising ultimately? So actually, uh, like you said, like, uh, now we are running a sale. Um, our, our most affordable model would be uh, about 100, 100 plus sing. Yeah. But uh, surprisingly, uh, th- that would be considered the more... Uh, within that segment, within the e-commerce space, 300 ringgit and above will consider expensive already. In Malaysia. What we consider a sweet spot would be 200 ringgit. 200, okay. uh, 200 ringgit, which is, shit, mathematics, less than 100, less than 100 dollars sing. Uh-huh. Maybe like 70, 80 dollars sing, right? About yeah. 70, 80 dollars sing. That would be, that would be a good price actually. So those, you, you see in terms of top 30 performing vacuum cleaners, just an example, top 30 uh, vacuum cleaners, right? You will see that most of them, they are around 70, 80 dollars sing. Yeah. Only a small little handful, it will be, it will be 100 sing and above. So that is where we come in. So, okay, that, that is, um, that is the context, right? So like, let's say now you're comparing with, with uh, Dyson, for example. So for us, um, I think I think a lot of the money, uh, uh the the price, the, the mainly the price difference for Dyson is uh again to do with their maybe their branding. They're pumping a lot, a hell lot of money into the branding, the marketing, uh, their their product testing. So I I cannot say that our product can beat Dyson, but mm-hmm. I will say our product would fit our market better in the sense that they are a lot lighter. 
you don't have to, you know, some some small things like, for example, Dyson, you have to keep pulling onto the trigger, for example, and your finger gets tired, yeah, sore and everything. So you don't, you don't need to do that for hours, for, for our vacuums. So I think in terms of the, the quality itself, right? Um, I, I, this one, right, I really hope that I was, I, I'm in there, like, like a studio with you and you can actually try out our yeah, products. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, for sure. Uh, you, if you, if you're comparing with the Dyson, obviously our, the, 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 there is still a bit of a gap there in terms of how they test their product, they drop test their product. You know, you've seen those videos, yeah. right? So, yeah. uh, we don't necessarily go through that stringent of a process, but in terms of product failure rate, we are actually, uh, on par with Dyson, if not slightly even better than Dyson. Why? Because even Dyson, our customers are feedback, feedback, giving us feedback that, you know, even there's Dyson's, it doesn't last more than one and a half to two years as well. Even the battery, you need to change it, the machine itself, you know. Um, yeah, mine is breaking so for, down. Yeah, but mine is okay. But I'm not saying, I'm not saying that, of course, I'm not saying products are, are wow, you can last for five, six years, confirm, no problem, that kind of thing. No, 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 you still need yeah. to change your filters, you still need to replace your lithium-ion batteries and everything. But what I'm trying to say is that um, basically you're not being completely shortchanged. If you are, if you were to be concerned about the price difference, you'll be concerned about those 50, 70, 80 dollars sing that kind of price range. But for our kind of price range, we are really making a very meager margin. That is the thing. Yeah. So our price range would be from like just a uh, 100, 100 plus sing, 100, 150 sing, all the way to all the way to 300 to 400 sing. So that is our model price range, 100 to 400 sing. Okay. Mm. How, uh, so you said it just now, so Benson told me, top five seller on Lazada Shopee. Mm-hmm. What the heck is that? <laughs> and mm-hmm. how do you achieve that? Right. So usually what uh, Shopee Lazada does is that every single campaign, every single campaign, they will list down, okay, in each category, who are the top 10 or who are the top 5. So Is this based this on ranking, sales volume or like number of units sold? Sales volume. It's based on the sales on that okay, day so or on that, during that period. Correct. Correct. Okay. Correct. So on that day, whoever that uh, gets more sales, they will rank higher. Lah. So there are times whereby, you know, you're more active right before the sale or right after the sale. Or, sorry, usually it's right before the sale. Let's say you have your own Coven day, for example, right before the sale. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe that day, you're exhausted already. People already bought already. Then that's why it doesn't perform as well. So that top five, it is like a, it is like an indication lah, of how the brand, how active the brand is, how the brand is performing on the sale day itself. Only the sale day itself. Or the sale period, three days, for example, one day, for example. Yeah. How, how does Lazada work? Like, even, even Shopee, sorry. Do, are you fulfilling mm-hmm. inventory by yourself after the orders come in? Or do you send it to their warehouse and then they help you fulfill? Right. So right now, we are working with uh, a fulfillment partner. Uh, usually, usually brands like us... Uh, or brands that have higher higher volume than us, they will uh they will outsource to a, a fulfillment partner, or they, some of them they do it themselves. But for us right now, we do um we do outsource to a fulfillment partner. So the fulfillment partner they do have a sort of like an API linking. Again, uh not fully, I don't fully understand how what what is the inner workings of that thing. But basically, they are they are they have a own they have their own database. So when those orders come in, it gets automatically synced into their database, and they will do the picking, the packing, the wrapping. Uh, GWP la, whatever PWP la, you know, and wrap together whatever it is about about purchase or one, then the 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 logistics company will just go to their warehouse and they'll pick up the item and just uh go through that that delivery process. You know, last time in the olden days, mm-hmm. it used to be okay. I'm a seller. I have an order that I just bring to my you know post office or bring to a post office. I just drop it off and then Shopee Lazada people or the other uh, 
platforms people, they'll just, their logistics will come and pick up. So that was yeah. the olden days. So now this is how we work. So everything is sort of, um, uh, 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 sort of uh, everything is uh, aggregated automated. within one uh, uh, warehouse. Yeah, and it's automated as well. Okay. Yeah. And the warehouse is what in Petaling or Selengo? <laughs> the warehouse is in Petaling, Jaya. It's in Petaling. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Got it. It's a huge so, warehouse. They they serve other clients as well. I see. They're like a three PL basically, right? Yes, okay. correct. So Lazada natively integrates with them, is it mm-hmm. the API? Mm-hmm. Yes, they do. Okay. They do. Shopee as okay. well. Some of the other platforms as well, they do. But of course, there are other smaller platforms that if we are on, then we have to do a bit manually. Uh, we have to uh, let the warehouse know that, okay, look, please prepare this parcel for me and, and use this logistics. So it's a bit more manual process. But again, it's through, it's through the, you, everything is through, through the cloud, uh, through online, yeah. digitally. Like, you don't have to physically actually pack it, right? And that is, uh, you know, when you have thousands of orders in a day, uh, then you... you Damn sure you can't do it by yourself. Huh? I understand. Yeah. Can, can I ask, right? Do you think that Coven works, right? Only because it's the Malaysian market. So why I say that? Mm. Okay, obviously you've built a great product. Thousand plus reviews, ratings, five stars, right? Uh, but in terms of the margin perspective, if you're selling at 100 plus thing, if you manufacture in China, etc., maybe uh, Cox is like, what, 30, 40, 50 dollars, etc., right? But then the freight cost in Malaysia is significantly different from a USA or Singapore, right? So mm-hmm. do you think that this works, like the unit economics works? Like, can you, can you be profitable in Singapore? I guess is my question. Right. Right. I think, I think that's a really good question. Right? I think that question, it can be, uh, usually what, what is the question that we ask ourselves as well, is, which is very similar to your question, is that what is the next country that we will be looking at if we were yeah. to venture outside of Malaysia, right? Uh, yeah. So we are looking at our neighboring countries. Of course, Singapore is the closest to us. Uh, um, logistics from from here to to singapore even by land is possible as well so it's actually quite straightforward it's very simple um but like you said i think there's a lot more that we need to study there's a lot more that we need to learn uh, um, because because the cost is one thing right but if the sales it can sort of uh, substantiate the cost or you can justify the cost at the end if our bottom line is good it, it makes sense to go into it as well. But I think uh, in, in the first place, we need to look at the, the market individual. Uh, every, every country has a different market by itself. Like, like Singapore, of course, um, a lot less uh, uh, in terms of the population is a lot lesser than Malaysia. But in terms of purchasing power, you're, you guys are a lot stronger, right? And of course, yeah. you all go through a different uh, purchase decision process as compared to Malaysia. So I think as of now, uh, a lot, a lot of study has to be done. Uh, of course, not only Singapore, but maybe other countries, like Thailand, Vietnam, Philippines, these other countries, uh, which e-commerce is getting really prevalent. And I think uh, that some of the other countries are doing even better than Malaysia. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think this is something that we still need to a lot more to study on uh, in terms of how receptive they are, you know, yeah. to our products. You see, I, I, I'm, you're not sure. La. <laughs> you're not sure. I'm la, not please. sure. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have a question about SKU. So, like, you mentioned earlier that your competitors have like 100 plus, I'm just like, like, I don't know, like yeah, super yeah. a lot. But you guys have a lot really less, but still still then, right, Um, to be like operationally efficient, right, you guys would like probably, have you guys cut uh, products from your list before? And also, uh, how right. do you manage, like what to keep on? Right. So, so usually, usually we work based on um, how well the product is running and, uh, and, and mainly our customers' feedback. So there are certain products that are not uh, selling as fast as our colors vacuums, right? Because we do sell other products as well. But if it does uh, continue to serve a, a, a niche market and if it's consistent, then we most likely we will keep it. But there are certain products whereby, yes, we know that it has to reach its 
end at the end of his life cycle already and it's time to be upgraded um then there, those are the times whereby okay we will stop that particular product uh or or um like we don't uh yeah yeah so so usually when he reaches his end of life cycle we know that okay because of uh, competitors they're coming with even better products or even we we ourselves we know that it's time already people taste and preference actually change already people they are not satisfied with this and the expectations has changed then okay we, we shall cut it so there has been times whereby we have stopped certain products even the robot vacuum that i mentioned just now uh, for the time being, we are put that we are putting that on pause. That robot vacuum actually it has gone through four different editions, so it has been many years, right? So you can imagine across the years, you have completely yeah. different uh, series and editions from that. Um, so yeah, that robot vacuum right now we are putting it on hold. Uh, because um, I I think uh, we want we rather focus more on the more mainstream kind of products lah. Uh, for yeah. the time being, yeah, especially during COVID period, right? It is tougher because robot vacuum you need a lot more to convince someone that hey, this is a good product. And after that, you know, to service them, then we show all we have all the parts, we have all the sensors and everything. It needs to be the whole process. Uh, it, it needs to be smooth. So uh, yeah, we pause the robot vacuum. And that's one of the examples that we stop. Yeah. Moving on to like uh, the team. So when you first came in, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, there were a lot of changes to be have made, and that those changes would uh, naturally mean need to hire new people, right? Yeah. So uh, when you first came in. Uh, who are the first few people that you hire, like the roles, right? And mm-hmm. also, um, who are you looking to hire next? Right, right. So, <laughs> yeah. so that time when I joined, it was just, uh, again, uh, more like a short front, right? So at that time, of course, uh, the, the salespersons themselves, uh, customer service was important uh, to operate the shop, uh, uh, technicians to, to make sure that uh, customers, when they come back, they're being serviced. And uh, you know this kind of this kind of really 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 bad key key function accounting of course uh, uh product at that time was a much much uh, uh small smaller team so that time uh yeah these were the these were the key functions uh, to to keep the the shop running uh who are we hiring next so now we are, have moved on to a lot more uh we have we have digitized the business uh, in different aspects and uh, we want the, I think still we are very especially for me still an infant when it comes to digital marketing. I think there's a lot more that we need to learn, a lot more that we can tap into. Uh, so, so of course, that is the direction that we're moving towards. And in terms of product, we hope to have a lot more products as well. Uh, again, data is, is the key, is the this name of the game, right? What kind of products that do customers need now? Right? What are the expectations now? So certain, st- certain things you need to actually find out by actually really going down to talk to them, you know, or, or sending out a survey or what. So now what we are looking to is to, to expand on more on the marketing side of things because... Uh, branding awareness, uh, it, it needs a lot more work on. I mean, a lot of people still do not know Corbin. Uh, product, product is definitely one thing that we want to hire more. Um, performance marketing as well. Um, we we most likely we will still outsource to our ad buying partner. Uh, but I think to have somebody that it is uh, expert in performance marketing, uh, I think it's, it's important as well. Even as a, a to, to liaise with the partner, right? I think somebody in house is important, and of course, uh, data. Data is uh, to analyze the data of our own customers, to analyze data of on of, of consumers uh, of our target market. I think data analytics is is another department that we want to uh, look into in the near future. Yeah. Speaking of the so so for now, because I know you guys are very campaign driven, uh, so you guys need to like uh, prep the the inventory in hand before like you know the campaign happens, and so sudden search of orders, and you need to make sure it goes out in time, uh. So do you yeah, guys yeah. use like uh any any data analytics for now? Like maybe you use like Excel, Python, or even like uh, I think maybe Shopee or Lazada maybe have their own uh yes analytics platform. So you guys use that, is it? 
Yeah, yeah. Like, like you see, like, like, like campaigns, they are happening every single month, right? And every single month now, it's not only one campaign, you know. Now it's like, last time it used to be, okay, one year once, 11, 11, chop, chop, that's all you get. So yeah. everybody will rush there, right? Uh, then now it's like every month once. Then, I mean, after that, it's every month once. So now it's like, even within the month, you have a few campaigns. So it's getting really crazy. It's really getting really insane. So, um, so yeah, usually what we do is uh, on the, the, the e-commerce marketplaces themselves, they do have this kind of uh, data insights whereby we are able to see the number of uh, unique visitors, the page views, the conversion rate, the add to cart, all these kind of things to sort of uh, predict what the sales will be like, right? Because every time leading up to a campaign or leading up to a sales, it's always stressful and it's always anxious. Huh? If you are you're stressed that the sales is not there, you're also stressed that the sales is too much that operationally it, it just uh, sort of breaks down a little bit a little because both sides are headache. Yeah, both sides are headache because the, <laughs> the platform themselves they set like a they set like a sort of like a KPI, right? If you do not fulfill within two to three business days, you get auto cancelled. I don't care how many orders there are. So they go through that kind of system, you know. So it's obviously very stressful. So we use we make use of whatever data that we can find that we can make use of right now. Uh, like uh, that the platforms they provide a lot of data already, and on top of that, of course, our ad buying team. Uh, we look at how customers respond to different messengers. We do a bit of A/B testing here and there, kind of thing. And and from there, we are able to see okay how many people add to cart, how many people buy before the campaign itself, and we compare it with previous uh, campaigns of similar scale. Uh, not necessarily have to be last year because last year and this year, you know, things have changed so crazy yeah. a lot, right? So we, we refer to previous campaigns of similar scale. Uh, then that's how we sort of estimate, okay, um, you know, and then of course, on top of that, we have contingency plans, right? Okay, if this doesn't work, what happens? If we oversell, what happens? You know, this kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right, John. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, so I guess my question is like, uh, because you're a Malaysian brand, uh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I'm not your father, lah. But if I was your father, like, why wouldn't you go and raise capital? Because the, mar- the, the, the no, yeah, the, yeah. the the market is big now. Yeah, yeah. You can sell to everybody, so you can you can you technically can become Malaysian Dyson, and mm-hmm, everybody mm-hmm. in the world can buy yes. your product. So it's not like you can't build a multi billion dollar thing here, right? Mm-hmm, it's just more mm-hmm. like your market size is what sixty mil. I don't know. Like being kept out at this point, right? And obviously, if you want to go to the 300 mil US market, stuff like that, you are just, yes. uh, the only limitation you have is how hard you work and probably cash flow. Mm. I would think so, because yeah. like, you need to buy stock, right? Yeah, but apart yeah. from that, like you have a thousand plus reviews on two platforms, which is actually very fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. like, what's your issue here? <laughs> why can't you mm. scale? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I actually really like that question, actually. um, Why? Because, yeah, I mean, appreciate you seeing the potential in us <laughs> so obviously obviously i i will ask myself the question i will ask uh our, our management the same question as well right like what 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 else can we do what is the end goal here is it just malaysia market are we just gonna yeah. operate the shop lot that we were last time uh, you know now is it just the malaysia market what what is next right what are we actually looking at so i think um Again, it all boils down to our 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 knowledge and our exposure as well. Because you can imagine last time as a shop lot, we were operating in a silo, more or less in a silo. There is no talk about digital marketing. There's no talk about branding. There's no talk about collaboration, nothing like that. So I think right after uh, uh, right after the lockdown, right after the, the pandemic started, that is when we really started to grow and we see that, hey, you know what? There is such a potential, you know. So now I would say... Um, you know, like 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 you say that you know funding and and uh, cross border selling, uh, these kind of things. I think we are currently looking into that. Uh, we just have to continue to to learn more and talk to the right people and and get more expertise on this. Right? Because even me myself, I have to. I think I have a lot of things to to read up on 
uh, in terms of how to get funding and, and how does everything work. You know, everything is just, uh, right now we were still really busy with the operations of work. You know, sometimes when you actually have a step back and yep. you just relax, chill, you know, talk in the podcast like this, then these kind of ideas will flow. But mm. last time, in the olden days, in the olden years, last uh, few, uh, many years prior to this, we were busy in the shop lot. You can imagine our day-to-day thinking, our day-to-day troubles were, hey, uh, you know, uh, the printer enough ink or not? Uh, who, oh. who is going to open well, the door? Yeah, these are problems. the questions, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, different yeah. set of problems. It's completely different set of problems. But so, so now we are moving on to a slightly different, uh, uh, we are growing slightly more, right? Yeah. To go to the next stage to say that, okay, now our problem is uh, what will happen if, if we have uh, not enough stocks or the supply chain gets disrupted before the campaign starts. You know, these kind of questions, we have never thought of them, let alone ask them in the past. Yeah. Uh, so your set of questions, I would say, we how I see it is we work in stages. Our business go through a few stages. So that stage was the last time. So now it's a different stage. So in the future, what kind of stage is it? So we are working towards that stage. And I think, like you see, these are the kind of things that we need to prep ourselves um, yeah. for. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's not like we've never thought of uh, going into um, the US market or even uh, the Chinese market or other Southeast Asian regions. You know, we have thought about it. It's just that uh, I think now, um, yeah, really need to uh, gain more knowledge in, in that area. Okay. Can, can I ask how much, how much do you guys spend on PPC on Lazada and Shopee? Um, okay, uh, I'll give you an overall figure. I'll give you a general figure. So last time, uh, I'll give you a comparison uh, because I find it very interesting even for myself. Last time we were spending, uh, I would say on, on digital marketing, uh, uh, last time we would spend maybe uh, four figures. Last time, four figures in a month. In a month, okay. that was before the Shopee. Uh, that was before the the Shopee Lazada time, the the e-commerce era, la. So now in the e-commerce era, last year we were growing already. So last year we were spending, spending, spending. This year we actually grew even more. So last year was uh five figures in a month. Yeah. Uh, and this is only right? on the platform, on the marketplace, right? Uh, or is it a total budget? It's a total budget. So on the marketplace okay. itself. On uh on the marketplace Google. itself, on on ads and everything, Google, Facebook, these kind of things, okay. and then this year we are talking about easily six figures already. Yeah, we have reached six figures already. That's how much we are spending on on uh, ads and marketing, uh, alone. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, so that kind of figure again, like my management will confirm, ask me, hey, uh, are you sure we're spending on the right place? And because again, now we are looking, now we are not looking at the bottom funnel only. If you're looking at the bottom funnel, it's quite easy to look yeah. at the returns. Right, yep. you spend how much you get, how much back. Uh, but when you are spending more towards the middle and slightly to the top funnel already, that's where you're things get brand. a bit. Yeah. Sorry. Your building brand is more expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You try to build a brand. You try to build something long term. You try to build a brand. Is it gets a lot more expensive and yep. and it gets a lot less trackable. I think the key key issue now is trackability because you talk about spending, it's not like really spending a small amount, it's quite a quite a large amount, but whether it's track trackable or not, if it's trackable, we see the returns, then we continue to invest. So that's how we see it. So when you talk about middle and top funnel, again, uh, that's their nature, right? We can't really track. Uh, and maybe that's not their their objective as well. The objective is still on reach and awareness. The spreads, how many eyeballs can see them. So obviously we can't track returns in everything. So a bit difficult. <laughs> Okay. We can only understand what is exact, what is our target market. Is this the right place to show to our target market? Do their target market align with our target market? Something like that. So it's uh, still a bit of guessing work here and there. La. So again, still finding our food, footsteps. Uh, nothing is certain. La. Even if it works the next day, you know, iOS, the, the thing that happened with the Facebook iOS uh, update after that, 
you know, uh, again, people are screwed again, uh, returns yeah. are terrible again. So constantly changing those kind of things. Yeah, a few years in e-commerce, ah, sorry. Sorry, sorry. A few years yeah, in e-commerce. Sorry. Yeah, a few years in e-commerce and and digital marketing, right? Really feels like a decade, lah. To be honest. Yes. <laughs> it's only been <laughs> a lot. You learn a lot very very fast, right? Right. Yeah. And you yeah. and we are forced to because if if we don't do that, we will be losing behind. And yeah. and you constantly need to ask ourselves how are we differentiating ourselves from the competitor? You're talking yeah. about uh, you know, the big brands, right? They play a gentleman's game, but for us, a bit of a mixture of you know the cowboys already. Certain things that they do, you know, we copy each other or we, we really reflect. Let's say I launched a product, right? We launched a K18, for example, the, the, the 400, uh, 400 Sing product. Yep. Then, then within the next week, the, the, other, the other brands, they, cut, they, they, they come up again with something similar again. Then they start blasting the hell out of it to catch mm-hmm. on our hype, for example. So they are that quick. Yep. Yeah. So it's not to say that the, the MNCs, they're not doing that. But for us, I think SMEs, we move a lot, a lot quicker. Like, and that is even pushing us to be even faster. <laughs> Understand. Yeah. I don't ask anything too sensitive here, but did your dad take loads at the start for the inventory? No. No. Okay. So every, everything was no. a positive cash years. flow. It's just yes, correct, correct. Okay. Correct, correct, okay. correct. So um no loans, nothing, uh no funding, no loans uh in the first few years. Uh um of course it, it, you know, like you say, if it makes sense to to for, for the for the purpose of expansion, for example. Uh, then yes, we are open to it, but no lah. Um, that's why your staff also, <laughs> and and also, you know the the sort of vision. If you see that vision, then you take that loan or you convince or you get the loan and you know exactly what to do. Most likely, your your path is set already. Then it's yeah. a lot easier and you have a lot more confidence, right? But when you're busy with you know, the shop lot, then uh, it's a bit tougher. <laughs> yeah, understand. Understand. Yeah. Have Have y'all hit eight figures revenue, or no? Have we hit eight figures? Uh, like no, not even no, like no, one year. Not. It's like the entire product, uh, life cycle. <laughs> like have you sold eight figures worth of cleaners and vacuum things? I forgot what they call it. Eight figures. Uh, let me think. Uh, no, no, not yet, not yet. Let's say you look at yearly, lah. Right? You look at yearly. Uh, no, we have not even hit eight figures. Long way to go, lah. <laughs> okay, got it. Okay. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Figures, uh. No, I, I think, I think so. Sorry, 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 sorry. Uh, uh, brain fart over there. No, eight figures. Uh, we are looking to hit eight figures this this year. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, you need to buy me a meal. Eh? <laughs> 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 Easy. Okay, yeah, it's a... nasi lemak. It's damn cheap, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here can I? Uh, here can I? Uh, here, I treat you like a king, ah. Uh. <laughs> Okay. So this is the last question we ask everyone that comes on. Like, uh, who's the CEO that most inspire you and that you want to, you know, emulate or become right. him? Uh, in a way, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not the one for. I don't really read a lot. I don't really like to read, so I, I don't think I'm gonna wow anybody <laughs> with with my with, with this uh with with a few uh, CEOs that I I follow. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not necessarily CEO. Maybe they are. They are definitely business leaders, but I'm not sure whether they currently hold the position of CEO. But I find a few people quite interesting actually. Um, one of them is um a brand friend Ben Francis from Gymshark. Oh, a guy, yeah, Gymshark is a UK brand sports tire, and uh, they were able to fight with brands like Nike, you know, the Adidas, this kind of people. And, yeah. and I think they have hit a billion, billion euro, a billion dollar, a billion pound, a billion pound valuation already uh, last year, if I'm not wrong. So uh, it's very interesting, right? He documents his his process all the way from, you know, last time in the garage, he used to do it yeah. all the way to a, a billion, 
Wikipedian uh, pound uh, company. So he documents it, and and I find it very interesting, like because usually you only hear about the success stories, right? But uh, when you go into the nitty gritty of things, I think that's where where it's really really interesting, especially at our stage right now. That what we need is um uh, uh, general directions, yes, general principles, yes. Uh, but still, the 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 detail, the fundamental, the the detail detail inner workings of a business. I think that is super interesting that he was able to illustrate out. And of course, uh, Gary V is is someone very interesting as well. I think Gary V he he really explained very well on like funnel marketing and and how you how you how you do branding and all these kind of things and what is yeah. the what is the basically what should the philosophy be, right? You give you give. And then you ask something like that, right? So you don't keep asking. So that is uh, is quite interesting, lah. That one. And of course, uh, I I came across this one guy quite interesting as well. Uh, Jeff Weiner. Jeff Weiner is a ex CEO of uh, LinkedIn. Came across. Uh, I like to listen to these people's interviews as well, lah, because uh, yeah. interviews you get to really listen to how they actually think, right? Of course, they're books as well, but uh, I don't have the patience for that, lah. So yeah, <laughs> I think HR, especially human resource, is really good in human resource, which I think, uh, which is a skill that I want to pick up as well. Also, all these, these, all these, uh, of course, all these business leaders. There are things that uh, definitely want to pick up. But I think HR is something that is, uh, it is not necessarily facts and figures. You're dealing with people. These are dynamic. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of dynamic elements involved, right? Like how how you treat the person, how you motivate them, and and motivating a a, a an employee is different across different employees, even within the same team. So, <laughs> and how you get this um, middle management to make sure that the, your 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 the the their the the teammates they are doing well as well they they, mm. they keep to the company's philosophy they keep to the company's uh, ethics uh, so mm. I think that's very interesting uh. so these few people I would like to learn yeah all right lastly how can anybody learn learn more about you reach out about you and uh, learn more about uh, your vacuums right <laughs> so so. Yes, I'm making some plugs. So yeah, uh, again, my name is Baven. So you can find me on uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn as well. You can find me on LinkedIn. But I think I'm more active on maybe I'm more active on LinkedIn. I'm not very active in the social medias uh, nowadays. Um, but our company, Coven, uh, our brand, Coven, we, we are on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok as well, TikTok, uh, YouTube, and our own website, uh, Coven.com.my, uh, Coven.com.my. So yeah, I think actually our our own Coven is a lot more active than me. So if you wanna if you're wondering how I'm doing, right, you look at Coven's LinkedIn and then you will know lah based on the recent post. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, legit, I'm not I'm, I'm just not uh, active on social media. I think yeah, uh yeah, last time during my uni days, I I really am super active on social media. I even have like a food review page. So we very very active on social media, but when when the lockdown came and it was uh, full full no on more food, yeah, go out, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, survival mode at the time. No, no such thing. You did just hustle for so hard. thank you so much for your sharing and time, man. Really yeah, yeah. Thank, thanks so much again, uh, John, John and Branson. I think I think this is a really good podcast because um, not only do I get to share and the opportunity to share, but I think you all ask really good questions as well and. Um, you, you know, like uh, stuff like like Jonathan would ask uh, about overseas market and everything like that, and funding things like that. Uh, I like this kind of conversations. I sort of sort of get things working in you know, my own mind as well. So thank you again for the opportunity. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you, Bevan. All right, thanks, guys. Bye.